Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam from Back Patio Network, and as always, I'm joined by... Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com. And we've got another thrilling episode for you. In fact, this episode is the season finale, is what I'm going to call it, for the Vigilantes arc that we've been in. Now, what do they call this one? Is it the B-pop arc? This is the final performance arc. The final performance arc. Okay. I never would have gotten that right. I know you've said it probably 10 times, but I never would have remembered. <laughs> I'm a little intimidated by you saying that we have a thrilling episode. Are these thrilling chapters? Yes. Will we present them in a thrilling manner? Remains to be seen. We're only 40 minutes or 40 seconds into something that's going to be close to an hour long. So <laughs> I'm positive. I have a positive. Like, I think it's we're, we're pretty thrilling. We like to keep people on the edge of their seat, right? I mean, we keep ourselves... And maybe a couple, yeah, I, I, <laughs> if the Discord is any indication, there's at least two or three people listening that aren't you and me. That's fair. And our friends, but they're our friends now, so I don't know. I consider them friends. Yeah, I mean, I talk to the people in that Discord channel as often as I do most of the people that I call friends in my, you know, in my normal everyday life. So why not? There you go. Well, let's start right into uh, episode 83. It is named Raging Inferno. Dude, the front cover of this one is freaking sweet. It's got Koichi holding like a very damaged pop with just this super angry looking endeavor in the background. I like this cover a lot. I think that this is one that like you hang on the wall. Like this would be a pretty cool poster. Yeah, especially colored. Um, I, one of the coolest yeah. things that I see on uh, the AMP's Twitter is, uh, you know, I follow a lot of people that are doing My Hero content themselves, and they end up retweeting a lot of other My Hero content creators of various kinds. And there are a couple of accounts that do just that, that take some of the black and white manga panels or pages and color them. And that's some of my favorite content on the AMP's Twitter, uh, Twitter account. I need to be more intentional about like retweeting that stuff. But the problem, the reason why I don't is because they're typically doing like stuff from the most recent chapters of my hero and we're yeah. trying to stay as far away from that as we can so it's really cool to see but because of the little the gimmick of our podcast uh then i i try not to bring content into that space that we haven't already covered is it gimmicky or is it just our theme i feel like i feel like my heroes are theme if it maybe if we were doing like tie reviews no 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 or, our gimmick know, the sock reviews what what i meant by gimmick is our thing is we're only we are only talking about things in our spaces that are current with oh, the anime okay, itself yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fair that's fair you know you're you're totally right i had someone i've been retweeting some stuff from the bpn twitter account and i keep like pop-up notifications on that account a lot and i had one today that was like super spoiler heavy for the most recent chapter and I happened to realize what it was about and was able to swipe away. But a lot of times I just click on those and open them, open them up. So you're right. Sometimes spoilers are a little heavy on Twitter. I try to try to ignore it a little bit, not too much. I mean, clearly I don't look at ours. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that, that kind <laughs> of content. The spoiler content is hard to avoid, but as I work on our Twitter account, I try not to uh, boost those signals because of, like I said, our gimmick. Our thing has always been you can come sure. and chat in the Discord, but it would affect our presentation of approaching the show with green eyes if people started talking about chapter 300 or whatever that just came out. So, but weren't we talking about episode 83 of Vigilantes? <laughs> We were. I don't yeah, even know how no, we got absolutely. this far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so episode 83, Raging Inferno. It's got a cool front cover. That's how That's we got what here. It was. We're talking about the coloring. Uh, so anyways, let's let's dive right into this chapter. It picks up right where we left off with 82. 
Uh, Endeavor has discovered or come across Koichi and Pop. Uh, at the moment, it seems as if he has not recognized O'Clock 2. Like, he's not even seen him on the scene yet, so I guess maybe he's further in the distance. Or maybe he's just going so fast he doesn't see him. I, I wasn't super sure, because in the panel, it seems like he should be in sight to me. But regardless, Endeavor is asking Koichi, like, so the, the girl's hurt. You know, it looks like you can't really get around too much uh, while you're carrying her. You know, you might as well as go ahead and give up. Like, let's let's get this out of the way. And uh, it seems like Koichi's not going to back down, which just gets Endeavor super pissed off. And he's like kind of surprised by it, actually. Uh, but what's interesting is when Endeavor first lays eyes on Koichi, he mentions something about the uh, All Might hoodie that he's wearing. Yep. And I had this thought, like, I wonder if that made this that much worse to him. Oh, you know what I mean? That there's 100%. some guy out here pretending to be All Might. Uh, just that guy that he can't seem to get past. Yeah, he he's... Endeavor to use one of the words of the day is triggered by seeing that vigilante or slash villain. I mean, he equates the two anyway, wearing an All Might hoodie. I mean, this this sets him off. Even he was already upset. Yeah. He was upset that Koichi was even on the scene. He was upset that he was identified by Sukauchi as a vigilante. And now, he, like, to add on top of those first two strikes, like as if one strike wasn't enough for Endeavor to basically incinerate him <laughs> on sight. He's got this third strike where he's he's wearing an all might uh an all might hoodie. <laughs> I wonder how he would have felt if he had been like a huge Endeavor hero or a fan. You know, like what if he was wearing an Endeavor hoodie? Do you think Endeavor would have been like, oh, maybe I'll let him live? I hesitate to think that there are such things as Endeavor. That's true. Hoodies. He doesn't seem like the kind of hero that would care about something like that. I don't think he would. Um, another thing I wanted to mention about this and. Maybe I missed something and forgetting something, but I, I went to the wiki, which it's not exactly like the holy scriptures of all things, my hero and vigilantes, but I went back to refresh myself on how Koichi's slide and glide quirk worked because I thought I recalled from very early on that he explicitly said that he had to have three points of contact in order to do his thing. But in this entire series of episodes, he's only got two. I thought that was a level up thing. Like, I thought he was able to manipulate uh, his surroundings more now, like at least a little bit better. So that's the reason he's able to carry pop and still slide and glide. Like it was originally a three point thing, but I think at some point in time, he kind of leveled up past that. I thought it was around the time he learned how to stick on walls. Well, even then, that's that was three plus points of contact. Like I maybe that's I'm true. I just am not remembering the first time where he's depicted only having two points of contact, but he definitely is very clearly depicted only having two points of contact to do this stuff here. But then there are also examples where he has zero points of contact, like what you're talking about with the triple jumps and some of the other maneuvers that we see him pull, where he's definitely got a much finer tuning um, and, and capabilities with his quirk. And maybe this is an evolution of that. I just couldn't recall if this was the first time that we see him violating that three-point stance rule or not. Um, but it was just something that, I mean, he has to, he can't, how hard would it be for him to like have pop in one arm and still have a hand on the ground to be able to do any of this stuff? I feel like he'd at that point get like a papoose or something, you know, get like a sling, yeah. like thrower in it. That's what he needs. <laughs> There's for his no hero way that <laughs> I think, you know what? I think that when he came onto this scene, when Endeavor had to call off the tornado, he was still down on all fours. I'm pretty sure he that's was, correct. but I assume that was because he was going super fast. Well, is he is he not doing that now? I mean, I would be. No, I guess he is. <laughs> I feel like yeah, he is. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, you're probably right. He's got to be going way fast because we know that he's he's going faster than O'Clock Two at least or six. 
yeah. So anyway, just something. I don't know if if we just if I just missed something or what, but he's definitely he is he is either you know progressed beyond that or somehow that that piece of the qual the qualifications or restrictions of his quirk has gone forgotten. But he is trying to he's hightailing it towards Endeavor and doesn't change course when he note when he recognizes who lies ahead. And this seems to get Endeavor even more flustered than he already is. So Endeavor sees Koichi coming straight at him, not turning to the left or the right, and is thinking, this guy must be nuts. I guess you have no intentions of coming in quietly. As if, I think what I think happened there was Endeavor interpreted Koichi's advancement upon his position as aggression. Uh, And so that was, that might be the way that you explain away Endeavor's comment. Uh, And then, so Endeavor goes on the offensive. He starts blasting these beams of fire uh, up the street and you see them popping bees behind him which I thought was really cool touch because remember he's being Koichi is still being per- well I guess technically B-pop is being pursued by that swarm who is intent to uh, you know come back to the queen and then explode so he's being chased this entire time by that swarm yeah you can even see them in some of these panels mm-hmm. in the background there I didn't notice them my first read through but I'm seeing them now yeah and so as Endeavor makes this shot at Koichi Koichi dodges out of the way and you see a bunch of booms which are little bees in that swarm being popped by uh, Endeavor's offensive maneuvers. And of course, O'Clock 2 is like getting frustrated because he is affected by all this heat as well. And he's kind of got this point where he's like, man, if, if Endeavor takes this kid out, I'm not going to be able to take any of the credit for myself. And so he's kind of weighing his options. He's like, should I go ahead and come out of the, the shadows now and try and fight Koichi with Endeavor, fight alongside him or not? And and we transition back over to Koichi trying to evade Endeavor. And I'm I'm honestly really shocked that he is able to. I mean... We know he's been practicing a lot, but like Endeavor is a super well-trained hero. This is this is another league for for Koichi in my mind. Um, I mean, he's able to to just duck out of the way perfectly, and it seems like I wasn't. I was going to ask you what you thought happened here because there's a couple panels where it looks like an explosion blows his hoodie helmet. Mm-hmm. Or I say helmet. It's like his is just his hood over his face, and it seems like he's surprised by it. But for some reason. I think Endeavor thinks he's like making fun of the situation, like making light of it. And so he just gets even more pissed off. But I don't think that Koichi did it on purpose. It looked like it was totally an accident. Right. But, you know, perception, is, you know, it sure. matters. I think I think you're right. That was the way that I that was my best explanation for the way that Endeavor reacts to this, because he definitely gets even more angry. And Endeavor is going to do that a lot over the course of these three episodes is to get even more angry. And before we get into his reaction to the All Might hoodie flipping over, you had mentioned that Six was thinking about uh, trying to come up alongside Endeavor and, and play the hero. I wished he would have. I bet Endeavor would have B-slapped the hell out of him. <laughs> like, I don't oh, think he would have it. taken yeah. any help from this punk that he doesn't even know. He would have been like, get the hell out of my way. Yep. He, if, at this point, he may have just assumed that Six was another vigilante and just taken him out, honestly. Yeah. Like, I don't know that he would have even have cared. <laughs> well, instead, he punches, Endeavor punches down on the ground and does another super move, the Raging Assault Hell Minefield, and it sets off a series of explosions beneath Koichi and Six's feet. They both leap in, up into the air, uh, but only one of them proves to have uh, a uh, an appreciable measure of success with that particular evasive maneuver. Yeah, Koichi is able to like just get out of the way. It's actually really impressive. He's able to kind of see what's going on, grabs, I guess, like a big breath of air and does another like 
double jump is what it looks like at first, but it turns out to actually be like full on flying. I mean, it looks like he is projecting key out of his feet or something and it's propelling him all the while. Six is just being swallowed up by these flames. And I mean, he's pissed off. Like he's, he says something like, screw this. Like, I can't believe this one little mistake is going to ruin everything. Like his whole entire plan. And you just see him like plummeting into these flames on fire. Yeah. He's being burnt up and Koichi kind of pulls out we we kind of got a glimpse maybe of this maneuver in one of the previous episodes when I when he was going to initially catch pop and I said it looked like he had activated like rocket boots to increase yeah. his acceleration or uh, as he was trying to catch her before she hit the ground but now he's pointing up instead of down and so he blasts off I mean looks like something straight out of Iron Man except he doesn't have any like stabilizers so that I, I don't know why he's not like spinning like a top or something like that, but it's <laughs> it seems to be working for him anyway. And there, you got a cool like two page splash of of him just rocketing off. And it's not like an insubstantial amount of energy being projected out of his feet. It is it is large and he shoots off like Team Rocket, man. I mean, the, the way that they show this panel is everybody's looking up and you just see like the contrail of where he had gone and a little flash of light like he had disappeared yeah. into the atmosphere of the horizon. Like a rocket launch or something. Yeah. And all the while, Six is just watching this burning and calling Koichi even more of a cheater. He would call to Koichi a cheater for doing his extra oomph thing. And now Koichi pulls this other move out of his back pocket, stunning everybody that's watching. Nobody knew that he could do this uh, and takes off, leaving Six to burn. But right at the last second, he ends up having to like take a breath, I guess, because you see his mouth open and his little like boots kind of flicker out. Uh, there's even they they kind of do some onomatopoeia here. It's like sput sput sput, yeah. and it's you, we see him breathing. And Pop seems to wake up for like a split second and says Koichi's name as they start plummeting to the ground. And that is the end of chapter eighty three. Well, Koichi says it's going to be okay as they plummet. And well, yeah, like if you didn't have if you if you weren't binge reading like we are, you'd be looking at this panel as we know that like he doesn't have a whole bunch of options for maneuverability once his. You know, it it looks dire. And so you're like, oh, is it going to be OK as you fall to your death? Uh, we don't really know. But we're, we're not reading week to week. We get to turn the page basically in this Shonen Jump app and pick pick right back up with them dropping through the sky and see how this resolves. And it's kind of neat, too, because like in these few panels, we, we see him trying to like look like what he's trying to do is activate his quirk because we see some more of those like sput sput and like pop pop. And it appears that midnight sees Koichi and pop falling. Um, and it's kind of cool because it's like her from a distance. And we see where it looks like he's been able to activate and kind of zigzag through the air. Like he's trying to hit a specific spot. Yeah. And it turns out he is so good and crew are hanging out in like this alleyway with a massive, uh, I guess like emergency rescue, uh, mattress is what I'm going to call it. It's it's not a mattress. It's more like a massive, uh, um, it's like an inflated oh, pad. Yeah. And I mean, they land right in the middle of it. So at least it's level up from trash bags. That's true. I didn't think about that, but yeah, this is definitely a step up. Speaking of trash bags, I think I mentioned in the last episode, I'm I'm rewatching My Hero Academia and I'm in the scene where Gran Torino is kind of like helping Deku figure out some of his quirk abilities and he's trying to jump up the uh, alley walls and he's he keeps landing in the trash at the first couple tries. And I was like, man, this feels like Koichi. <laughs> Koichi's got to be right around the corner, you know? <laughs> you know, I just noticed a detail in one of these panels that I didn't previously like if you're looking at the panel when koichi and pop land on that pad in the or the page where they do that if you look in the top right uh -huh. panel wrapped is up there on a roof with flares letting koichi know where that pad is i didn't notice that before yeah 
Yeah, you're right. I thought that was them falling, honestly. I don't know why, but you're right. That looks like wrapped up there with some flares. That's pretty cool. So uh, Koichi knows where to go. He does uh, stick the landing on this pad, and they immediately get into, uh, you know, extraction mode to pull this queen bee out of Popstep's face. Yeah, and they're like ready to get in on there. And Soga has got this device. It, I mean, it's pretty nasty looking. Not something that I would want to see someone plunge into another human skull. Um, and Koichi's telling him, like, dude, I don't know what's going on, but she got hit up with some sort of a drug. This may not be the best idea. We, you know, we don't know how this is changing the situation. And so Soga is also kind of freaking out, but he's telling himself, like, there's no time to hesitate. We've either got to do this now or she might die. And Midnight shows up. I mean, just in the nick of time, really. And she's like, hey, what's going on? Like, relax. I'm a pro hero. But not only that, I'm Pop's friend. I just want to here to help. You guys are clearly trying to save her. Like, what's going on? What What are you trying to do? So they, they kind of fill her in on the situation. Uh, they let her know that there's a queen bee inside of her. Um, the rest of the bees seem to have gotten burned up by Endeavor as he was attacking them. So the swarm is taken care of, but that queen bee is still affecting, uh, you know, pop. And if it stays there, it's likely going to kill her. So Midnight goes into action and uses her quirk, uh, which is different than we've seen before. Like, why not different? I just feel like it's utilized differently. I mean, she's able to put pop in like a stasis mode almost. Yeah, so, and she doesn't really expose her skin, which is typically what sh- what we see her visually do is like rip portions right. of her suit off in order to uh, unleash her quirk, if that's how you want to describe it. But instead, she just cradles Pop really close and tells the boys to hold their breaths for 20 seconds while she uh, unleashes the quirk and, and kind of puts Pop into like a mild or a very shallow coma, I guess is how it, it might be described. She says that her respiration is about as low as it'll go. Her metabolism rather is as low as it'll go and she needs to go to a hospital. And they really only have time to even do that much because, like you pointed out, Endeavor had blew up all those bees. So they're not racing against the clock in quite the same way. Um, so that has bought them the time where they can take things a little bit more carefully. And that is what Midnight is suggesting here. But before they can do too much, Endeavor actually appears on scene. And these are an interesting couple panels. I tried to catch it. It doesn't, they didn't really draw it out too much. Uh, but as he appears, Koichi like really, really quickly skips out of the way in the background. Like you, you don't really see it in a panel. He's just all of a sudden off to the side. Uh, but Endeavor is like ready to go. I mean, he found Pop. He's ready to take her out. He wants to know where Koichi is. Midnight's trying to keep him calm, though. She's like, look, we've caught the villain. She's in critical condition. We, we need to get her to a hospital. And he asks what about the other one, the punk in the All Might hoodie. And Midnight actually covers for him. She says that he slipped away. Uh, and it's it's kind of interesting, though, because Endeavor is really quick to just let Pop go. Like, I, I kind of assumed he'd be like, no, let's just go ahead and burn her. She's too much of a threat. I mean, two or three chapters ago, he was literally willing to raise the entire city to kill her. And now that she's right there, he's just like, oh, OK, well, you know, she probably knows something. We should save her. It just seems like a weird flip to me. Yeah, there are a couple of interesting things about this series of panels. The first one is if you look at the first like full panel of Endeavor on the scene, who is he pushing out of the way? Who is that? Some rando. Yeah, Somebody's just some rando. Just, yeah, because it's none of the crew. It's just some dude on the street. It's not one of his crew. I was like, where did this guy come from? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's just some random dude. I wonder how many blocks away Koichi was able to fly. I mean, if they're five or six blocks away, it's possible that this guy is just walking down the alley. Yeah, you know like what I mean? maybe this is outside of the, the zone that they had evacuated. 
That's that, But it that seemed like they evacuated a huge amount of area, though, so it I did. don't know. The other thing that I, I wanted to point out, too, and this is, I, I think it's up for some debate, but I think if you look at the panel where Midnight lies to Endeavor and says he slipped away, talking about Koichi, that she has like a bead of sweat on her face. Like she's she knows mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm telling a lie to Endeavor of all people. It could also be the heat from his body, but I think that that bead of sweat is there because f- she's like, oh yeah, if I get caught, this is this is bad juju. That was definitely the impression I got too. Like, man, this is the one guy I shouldn't be lying to, but she knows Koichi and she knows Pop. She knows that there's more to this story, and if she lets Endeavor get in the way, then they're definitely never going to figure out what's actually going on. And the fact that Koichi has disappeared and you see this, there's almost a, like a comical panel where he's sliding backwards up a building behind Endeavor's shoulder. <laughs> and then in the next one, Endeavor looks in that space, but Koichi isn't there. Like he managed to get over the, the roof and beyond uh, the, the ability for Endeavor to spot him. Uh, and Endeavor is, he's pretty livid about this. He, and we, we said that he would be like, he's going to be very, intently focused on catching the people that he said that he would and he doesn't koichi gets away uh and so he walks over to a building and and punches out like a water line an exposed water line and it extinguishes his flames in frustration you could just see him glaring as he's let one slip away one that he knew because sukauchi told him was a vigilante and therefore also a villain so he was he was one for maybe he even considers himself to be two for three. Surely he saw six when he was being incinerated and left that body behind. Right. I would think so. I don't know how he did not I mean, the panels where they show the four of them, you know, pop and Koichi in front of Endeavor with six a little ways away behind Koichi. It didn't look like he would have been out of sight for Endeavor. So he has to know he just fried some random individual that happened to be dressed like a hero in the background, right? Like there's no way he didn't see that. It would have been hard to miss because especially the way one of the first panels of the first episode that we started covering of 83 shows them in very reasonably close proximity and Koichi's all hunkered down. So there's no way that his, he was body blocking six from being seen. Exactly. And I mean, close enough that I want to say it's within a normal humans like baseball throws distance. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't like it was football fields away or anything. So I don't know. The the other note that I do have for this scene where Endeavor is like breaking this water pipe is can you imagine being the guy that got that water bill? (laughs) Just like, damn, heroes. You know, like there's probably some security camera footage that some PR person had to go like cover up of Endeavor just needlessly breaking a water pipe and there was some water company that had to refund a bunch of money and someone had to go out there and fix it like I can only imagine the little things like this that just probably ruin a regular person's day in the My Hero world. Well I could tell you too that that water pipe is probably the least destroyed thing that Endeavor had uh, had come into contact with himself. Oh sure. Absolutely. I mean, there's a whole bit at the end of this series, really, where they kind of talk about the mixed feelings that people had on Endeavor's reactions to this. So we'll definitely get into that here in a couple chapters. Well, Koichi is up on this roof, possibly even of the same building that Endeavor has busted this water pipe for. That's the impression that I got anyway. He's just out of sight. Yeah, that was the same impression. Yep, exactly. And so he is met on the roof by six who managed to survive, but is a charred, blistered, gross looking human being uh and he he shuffles towards koichi and koichi's like are you the o'clocks guy and he's 
O'Clock or Six goes into this spiel where he says, you know, it has, the, the whole O'Clock 2 thing hit a snag before it could even begin, so it's time to reset back to square one. So I'm back to just being nameless number six. And Koichi, as Six is trying to uh, do all this purple prose and monologue, Koichi keeps interrupting because he notices that Six is in real bad shape. I mean, so he's like, you're all burned. Do you need to get some help? And Six is just like, ah, it's fine. My body will heal eventually. And he goes and keeps pressing Koichi with what it is that he wants to tell him. And it's going to build to something that is going to hit pretty hard. But it starts uh, innocuously enough. He says, besides, it ain't one of the woes of the flesh. It's this problem of my whole life, my my whole existence, inside and out. Everything about me was cobbled together like some craft project. I don't even know who I am. And so he'd spent all this time working on this plan to create a story for himself that he could live into. But all of it was brought to a nothing, he says, by a pea-brained nobody, as he is accusing Koichi of being. He says, still things are clearer than ever now. Garbage like you who ruins people's dreams. I'll make sure you get what's coming to you. And he tells him that he's going to kill Pop because she knows too much. She's she's an in, got inside secrets now. He's got to get rid of her. And then after he kills Pop, he's going to come after Koichi and he's going to kill him next. And the whole time I feel like Koichi is interacting with Six, he's doing this thing again where he's just, I don't know if he's like, I don't want to say he's playing dumb, but it's like he's two steps behind. Like he's just trying to help this guy out. This guy's spilling his guts that he's ready to kill him and pop. And I mean, I guess out of context, all of this would be pretty confusing, but if some random guy that happened to be kind of attacking me, got burned up and then was meeting me on a building and telling me he was going to kill me. I think I'd do more than just be like, uh, are you okay? (laughs) Like just questioning his sanity. Uh, the moment he says that though, he like falls to the ground. I mean, it looks like he's just keels over and then he like, I don't know, like slithers off. It's kind of weird. It's like he speeds off in like a circular kind of formation and just leaves Koichi standing there like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, see, I don't think Koichi's questioning his like mental capacities. I think that he's still fixated on the fact that Six is physically messed up. And so when he falls over, Koichi does as Koichi has always done, just like he did in this first meeting with Knuckle Duster, when even as he was bleeding profusely out of his nose, noticed the blood on Knuckle Duster's face and said, are you okay? You know, here, here's a bandage or here's a tissue or whatever. And so that, that's always what Koichi has done is, is ask after everybody's well-being, even possibly at the expense of his own. And I do think that Six's body, like he, he face plants. And then he activates his speed quirk and slithers or crawls off uh, and leaves this trail of blood or char behind him as he does. It's yeah. pretty graphic. You make a really good point, though, and something that I think I don't key in on a lot of the time is that like, even in this situation where there is a villain that tried to kill Pop, is trying to kill Koichi, is even admitting that to Koichi, Koichi's still the kind of guy that's just wanting to like help this guy. And like, I think he, he doesn't even see him as like a villain. You know, he just sees him as this injured individual. Like, dude, something's wrong with you. Like, we should probably get you fixed up. You know, and I think there's even more evidence of that in this last chapter. And I, we'll kind of bring that up here in just a second. Yeah, I think that right in this moment, Koichi hasn't fully come to realize the gravity of what Six is communicating to him. But by the end of the yeah. next episode, he has like he's it's had time to gestate. But in this moment, he's just like this person is hurt. But as as after he's had some time to kind of chew on that and think about what it was that Six actually said and compare it to some of his other more violent encounters, 
uh, where where he you know had this knack of pissing people off. I think is how he just how he described it that he su- he suddenly had some clarity that like this was different than all of those. It's categorically different. Sure. I need to take this way more seriously. So I, I do think he comes around to uh, grasping the gravity of what it is that Six is actually saying here, but I don't think it had sunk in on him quite yet right then. And it makes sense. I mean, I, I am giving him some flack, but I mean, he did just pull off like some amazing, incredible maneuvers that he probably just done for the first time. And I mean, there's a certain level of shock that he's got to be in. I mean, what he just survived is pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings us into the last chapter of this uh, arc named Inquiries by, or not by, but it's just episode 85. Why did I say that so weird? <laughs> no, you did, though. <laughs> I did, yeah. Inquiries. It was like Sukoichi last episode, Inquiries. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. Well, that brings, oh, you just going to leave that all in? <laughs> well, that brings us to episode 85. What would, you, what would you like to name that one, Adkins? You want to tell us what that one's named? Episode 85 is called Inquiries. Inquiries, and we got an awesome uh, front cover of Sukoichi there. He looks pretty thick in this in this front cover. Like that suit he's got on is uh, beefing him up a little he's bit. He, he looks like he's, yeah, he looks like he's stressed out too. He's just like, oh, I'm gonna get this information. Like he's about to just seriously interrogate all these people. It is. That's kind job. of what we're given. I mean, the first few panels are him trying to investigate like Soga and Rapt and Moyu, and it's just not really getting anywhere. Like they're kind of give him the runaround, you know. Oh, we were just there because, you know, it was just random. And Rapt is like, yeah, we were just messing around with that landing pad, jumping from high up, you know, like totally got all the excuses. Soga won't even talk to him, just like gives him that blank stare. I love that in a lot of those like interrogations similar to this that you see in other pop culture mediums, there's always that one character that is just going to glower that whole time. And I can't recall in uh, the, the show Firefly, there was an episode where they all got caught. Um, and they were being interrogated similarly. And I can't remember if it was Jane or if it was Zoe who just did this cold stare thing the whole time with their interrogator. And that was the same like vibe that I got from from Soga here, who is just he's glowering. Now, he does end up opening his mouth here shortly, uh, but for the time being, he's he's pretty he's pretty tight lipped. But Sukauchi isn't satisfied with that. He's like, listen, we're, we're not going to treat you people as criminals. We're well aware that Pop Step isn't just this typical villain, but we you, we you need to give us something that we can work with. And Soka's just like, well, you need to go and talk to her. And so that's what Sukauchi sets off to do. Yeah, he uh, he does decide to go and talk to her, and it turns out that she's in like a pretty high security place. I mean, they like make him check in. He's got to scan his hand in. He's got to check his gun and badge in. It looks like uh, so they've got a decent amount of security here. Uh, the security guard actually takes him and introduces him to Midnight and uh, Pop's mother. And he's saying, like, wow, security's pretty tight. Uh, this is definitely not an ordinary hospital. And Midnight is like, well, you know, they've had to partner up with a bunch of people because whenever Pop was delivered here, the the guys were really insistent that there be a lot of high security. But almost immediately after, we, start, we started getting these inquiries from uh, all these unidentified individuals. And then alarms started going off. And it's possible that someone's out to get her, basically. So Midnight is of the opinion that they actually need to step security security up or move her somewhere that is more secure once she's able to because right now she's still recovering and and we get this panel of her like laying in a bed and she's very very bandaged up she's hooked up to a bunch of different machines it looks like they've probably removed the queen bee from her eye socket and they've got that healing yeah and they show that in one of the very next panels that they successfully did extract the parasite but pop still hasn't regained consciousness and they think that she might also suffer from some long-term effects but they don't name what those are 
Uh, so I'm curious to see what they could be. We do know that this is survivable because Knuckle Duster's yeah. daughter wakes up, seems to be a high functioning individual, if not totally normal on the other end of uh, the extraction. And hers was done in a, a lot less sterile environment and a little bit more violently than I imagine Pops was done. But, uh, you know, I think that the trauma performed on Pop's body during her infestation is of a much severe degree than it was uh, that Knuckle Duster's daughter. What was her name again? Starts with an M. Tama-O. Doesn't start with an M, but there's an M in the middle of it. So I'm giving it to me. There you go. I'll give it to you. I, I couldn't get any of these names right for like the first, you know, 70 episodes. So it's okay. <laughs> I think last episode I said Sukoichi's name like 10 different ways. So yeah. feel free to make fun of me for that one. <laughs> it was fun. Just <laughs> I was editing it and that. I was like... I was but like, I'm not going to correct you because I'm even... not sure that I say Sukauchi's name the correct way either. So, well, I heard I'm All consistent. Might say it today. I heard All Might in the the anime say it, so I'm going to say it that way. Uh, but it, it it's uh interesting that you think that she took more damage. Is it? Do you think it was just because she used her abilities like more extensively to do more damage to the public in general? Because I don't think she was infested longer than than Tamao was. No, she wasn't. But I do think that her she used that quirk a lot more violently and a lot more significantly than we ever saw Tamao do. And we know that quirks, when they're used for any, you know, to greater degrees take a physical toll on the body at minimum. I mean, we saw that with Endeavor and needing his little five minute That's rest true. and all that stuff. So I imagine that just because of the scale on which Pop operated with this quirk, that it it probably I'm assuming I think it I think it took a higher toll or tax upon her physically than it seemed to have with Tamao, who more often than not was just shown releasing a couple bees at a time just to go you know sting a couple people or retrieve some blood from somebody who had been beaten that kind of thing not until the very end with the fight with knuckle duster did she do much more than that that's true i guess i hadn't considered that they kind of dropped the whole tama o storyline like entirely didn't they yeah I mean, we saw her recover but then like outside of that i mean where is she with soga and the guys like doing reconnaissance in the background is she back home with a family member i mean we don't even know where knuckle duster is so i'm curious if tamo has any long-term like physical effects from everything that happened to her not i mean i'm sure there are going to be you know long-term ptsd effects and things like that but i don't know i'm curious to see if she shows back up in any capacity i mean it would be nice for pop to have someone there that had gone through this that could help her through this you know another friend yeah that's true it would this would be the time for them to bring her back i guess well, we catch back up with uh, Sukauchi, who's returned, I think, to Soga and is explaining what it is that he learned at the hospital from Midnight. According to Midnight, it was you guys who saved Kazuo's life. And I'm choosing to believe that, which is kind of him maybe expressing that he doesn't actually, but he's he's kind of giving them the benefit of Midnight's doubt or the benefit of his doubt on behalf of Midnight's confidence and and uh, in her explanation of things. But he's still trying to get the location of Koichi, a.k.a. the crawler, from Soga. Yeah, and Soga's just like, nah, not now. We we can't have you arresting our muscle. Like, he's not willing to, to give Koichi's whereabouts at all. And Sukoichi actually kind of freaks out. He's like, listen, this is no time for vigilantism. Like, do you realize how many people have died already? And Soga throws it back in his face. He's like, oh, so those bodies are weighing on you now. Well, maybe if you guys could actually do your jobs right. It seems like Soga is just like, well, hey, you know, you've got a detective named Tanuma, right? Uh, he deals with villain stuff. If you call him in here, I'll talk to him. So before we get into his, uh, to Soga's discussions with Tanuma, let's talk about a couple of things that Soga says 
to Sukauchi during his little interrogation. The first one is, would you have guessed from our first exposure of Koichi in his training with Knuckle Duster that he would at any time during the courses of the events of Vigilantes be referred to as the muscle? No, definitely not. <laughs> Me neither. So, but, but I mean, that's the I impression mean, he's that leveled Soga up has. so much. Yeah, oh, he yeah, is definitely. the muscle, really. I mean, I would say at this point, he knows his quirk better than they know any of theirs, and his quirk is worth more a lot more than, than any of theirs. I mean, it's more applicable in all of these situations. Right. Soga's pretty much a pure just fighter. That's all he's worth. And Rapt and, and Moyo don't really do much with their quirks. Yep. So I mean he definitely feels that that role in their little party. Um, but it was really cool just to see Soga say that. To say yeah, that, yeah. you know, this this guy who he made fun of very early on and very frequently early on is now perceived as their muscle. Uh, and then the other thing that I thought was, I, I had to think about this a little bit. So you talked about how Soga kind of threw this. Well, if you people actually did your jobs, maybe these people wouldn't be deadline in Sukauchi's face. And I began, I started to wonder if Sukauchi really even wants these vi vigilantes apprehended. And I really only even had that question for a split second because we have passed a pretty large like time skip in vigilantes, like around that same time where Sukauchi, or not Sukauchi, when Koichi was going to look for a job, earlier on in vigilantes, he was just starting college. Now he's basically past that and looking to, you know, start a career of some kind and work. So a couple years, three years, four years maybe have jumped somewhere in these episodes. And Sukauchi has been aware of the Naruhata vigilantes this entire time. Not only who they are, but where they are. So if he really wanted to catch them, why didn't he do so? Um, and as I was thinking about that over the course of the whatever amount of time has passed, uh, I think part of that answer is exactly what Soga is kind of confronting him with here, because it, it's just a matter of resources, right? Like we, our primary exposure to Sukauchi is him interacting with super-powered crime. So, you know, villains on on Trigger or working alongside heroes, but he's just a cop. So like, it's, it's gotta be a matter of resources. He still has like regular ass police work to do. And that I assume is the reason why they haven't really taken this vigilante stuff very, very seriously. Right. Or, I or think some of it, but maybe I, it's I, not that they're not taking it seriously. It's that they haven't accomplished the arrest of the vigilantes that they've been aware of for a long, long time. Well, and I think some of that is like, how, how much did Sukoauchi like underestimate these people? You know what I mean? I mean, in the beginning, I think it was that thought process of, Hey, they're pretty helpful when I need them to be. They get me info when I ask for it. They're not really doing that much harm. I mean, they're just kind of cleaning up everyday mess. I mean, think about this. Koichi went from cleaning up trash on the road to being in the middle of a fight between a major villain and endeavor so in those four years he's also come a long way i feel like maybe it's just gotten to a point now where sukoichi is like i don't know how to a cover my own butt because i've been involved with these people for four years and now they're involved in a crazy wreck that is very public and i'm kind of on the hook for all of this like i've been aware of it i've been heading it up i i know what's been going on and now they're not playing nice and they're not giving me the information I need. So it looks really weird to him. I mean, this isn't the Koichi he knows or what little he does know of him. So, you know, did he underestimate them? Like he may just not really know where he stands with these vigilantes and he's let it go this long. So he's kind of the one to blame for a lot of this. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that he's, he's bearing a burden of responsibility because previously 
he has kind of let them slide on a couple things at the behest of Mikado. Um, but now, but he's also pushed Mikado on that very same thing, saying they can't always get away with this. Like, there's going to come a time where right. I'm going to have to crack down and this has got to be put to a stop. And I guess maybe that time has come. But the the time lapse between him asserting that to Mikado and now was pretty sizable. It's very true. And I definitely don't think he really knows what to do here. You know, he's just in a bad spot. And unfortunately, he can't get the answers he needs is what it seems like. And that probably is more frustrating than anything, because I think ultimately he just wants to help. And if the vigilantes happen to be people he doesn't have to, to arrest, he's fine with that. And he he is not happy with the fact that Soga requests another detective, this Tanama guy. Like in the first panel that Tanama comes back on the scene, Sukauchi's in the background and he is just glaring something hard at this guy as if he's been... I definitely got that impression he took this personally. Yeah, yeah. And Tanama is somebody who had a relationship with Knuckle Duster, like some of the early experiences that we had of him he was hot on the trail of all this trigger stuff there was even like a clandestine kind of spy-ish connection between him and knuckle duster when back when knuckle duster had that rock and beard came back from japan and, mm -hmm. and put information on the supply chain uh in in this guy's hand and so that's why like in a second he's he starts talking about the the old man or the old bastard whatever they call each other and it's almost like this inside joke between him and soga and he starts by saying you know, what can I do for you? I know who you are because you you came up as a, a suspect in some of these early crimes. But now we know that, you know, you're different now and, and you guys are you guys were victims in all, in all that. But, you know, you almost remind me of a certain pal of mine. And that kind of triggers something in Soga because of, he's still dressed like Knuckle Duster in all these scenes. Yeah, there's even a really cool panel where Soga is talking to this guy and in the background is like knuckle duster's shadow over him as if he's been this great mentor to soga these last few months uh, and soga says like since you brought him up let's talk about that old bastard and he gives this example where apparently knuckle duster had this ideology that basically the world was kind of like cheap socks like you put them on you've got to wear them you don't have the choice eventually it's gonna rip open because it's a cheap pair of socks but you can't really do anything about it like that's just sort of how those work they're they're a cheap pair of socks so you know what you do you just slip on another pair over that hole and i think this is a i mean there's this is an allegory for so many things i think in this and it's there's this level of soga that's trying to explain like you guys need us because at the end of the day you're letting little things slip through yep. so we're covering up where you guys drop the ball yep the vigilantes are you know, are the socks that are that are filling in those gaps or those holes and and uh the detective picks up on that because he he does say in in one of the next pages is sukauchi is kind of pushing on the detective about what it is that he heard and whether or not he buys it. At one point, he says, listen, they're not the type you want making trouble. It's better for everyone to have them pitted against actual villains, since clearly we don't always have that covered, which is his uh, alluding back to that analogy that Soga presented. We are that sock with the holes in it. Vigilantes are that sock that are covering up those holes. Yeah, Sokoichi doesn't like this, though, because he's just kind of like, but those thugs? Like, it has to be those guys out of everyone in the world. It has to be them? You know, he's, he's definitely frustrated about this, and he's watching the three of them walk away from the police department, and Rap turns around and is giving them the thumbs down. Yeah. And I imagine he's probably flipping them off, too, you know? He's wrapped, <laughs> Rap is enjoying every minute of this. Oh, he loves it. He loves being untouchable, in a sense, I think. It, it cracks me up. Uh, but, you know, he, he pretty much tells, uh, is it named Tanama? Yeah. He's like, look, we're going to be watching their every move, like all of them, including the crawler. 
And that guy's just like, ah, you're so uptight as he's smoking on his cigarette. Um, and this is where we transition into a scene that I mentioned earlier where Koichi's watching the news and this newscaster's talking about the the villain of Pop Step and kind of what's happened with this series of bombings that that she's been arrested for and how the public have reacted to Endeavor's response to these actions. You know, apparently some people have said that like he was way out of control. He was attacking an underage girl, you know, that this was very special circumstances and he went too far. And other people seem to think that like it was totally necessary because of the amount of damage that she was causing. So people are all over the place. And we, we see this as Koichi is watching it like on his cell phone. So he's having this own thought of how, it's kind of weird because he's always had this issue, like reading the room is what he says. And he says, I'm great at accidentally pissing people off. So they'd end up beating me up or saying stuff like, I'm going to murder you dead kid. But like, usually once we talk things out, everything was cool. Like so far, all of his interactions with people that wanted to hurt him, it was kind of an accident. You know, it was never because he did something. It was just, he was mixed up at the wrong place, wrong time or whatever. But this time around the, you know, he says that guy talking about six, he is so serious. He has a goal of killing Pop and Koichi. And he's like, I don't know that we can really stop somebody that has a goal to kill us, that genuinely wants to end our lives. So he's definitely, uh, I think he's very concerned about what's, what's going on, what his future lies. Yeah, definitely. And we, we get to see him kind of taking those first steps towards protecting Pop and because uh, him and Soga and Moyu and Rapt are setting up their own special security detail at the hospital where Pop is interred. And they they talk about this security that's inside of the building, but they're like, we don't want security to even get that, or a villain to get even that far. So we're going to run our own security checkpoint outside. Uh, and again, like, I mean, if you're the police, this, this is your chance. There's vigilantes right there in the street out in front of this, whatever. Um, anyway... Moyu is frustrated by this because he's a scaredy cat. So he's like, what if the actual psycho murderer does drop by and we stop him in the street? And uh, Soga's just like, it's fine. You don't have to fight. Just run away. And Rap gives him a hard time about this. And <laughs> shortly after they have this conversation, we're treated to a series of panels where uh, presumably an AC repairman comes up to the hospital and says that he's just there to to fix the AC. And Soga does this cool thing where he just points down uh at this guy and out of nowhere it looks like a what is what looks like a bullet comes down pierces through this guy's uh toolbox or what he's trying to pedal as a toolbox shatters it apart and they find a camera inside but it was no bullet it was one of koichi's shooty go blams yeah that was pretty cool touch they see him like up on top of a roof and his hand is smoking and it sounds like he must be on some sort of mic system with soga because soga is just like hey guys no threat but stay on alert and we see Koichi visibly very stressed. It looks like he's probably been camping out on top of this roof for a couple of days now. I mean, he's got a sleep sack. He's got what looks to be a couple of bags of groceries, maybe an energy drink or so and like a bag of clothes. So he's been hanging out up there for a while now. Um, and, and this is the end of chapter 85. And it's the end of the story arc. And I'll be honest, when I finished this, I was not pissed, but I was kind of like, OK, like what next? Like I wanted this doesn't feel like the end of an arc to me. Like, I want to know, is pop going to be okay? Is she getting out? Like I wanted to see more about what's going on, but I kind of peeked at the first few like pages of 86 and it definitely goes into something new. So, I mean, I know we'll find out. I know they're not just going to leave this here. At least I hope they don't, but it just didn't feel like what I would consider an end of an arc. I mean, there's still a lot of open questions here. 
Yeah, but there's still a good bit of vigilantes left. Uh, according to the Shonen Jump app, they're in the 90s, I think, right now with how many chapters are released. Um, I did read something interesting on the internet recently this this week that suggested that it had come out that beginning with chapter 66, Vigilantes was in its final arc or was basically moving towards uh, its 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 finale, its its conclusion. And episode 66 is where that time jump kind of took place with that episode career path where Koichi seems to have aged up a bit, seems to be done with college, is looking at a uh, career. Uh, and then we move from there very quickly into this B-pop arc and still have, um, you know, something like 10 or 11 episodes out currently after yeah, this. Yeah, 97 is out, and it came out March 12th, so about two weeks ago. So it's it's definitely, we've got a little bit more, and I'm sure in that time, they, they, won't, they won't treat Pop like they did Tamao, that's for sure. Like, Pop is much too large for her to just fade away into obscured non-detail in the background of whatever else takes place in this series but you know what man it's going to be a little while i think unless we unless we start looking at vigilantes as filler episodes because the anime starts back this saturday i know it sounds like so our schedule is going to be basically uh this episode is going to be dropping on monday the 29th and then hopefully on the 31st between the second we'll have our like mst 3k style version of episode one of the next season we're gonna watch it review it while we watch it uh, and drop that sometime next week in the middle of the week. And then uh, two weeks from then, we will have our regular episode where we cover episodes one and two of the season, just like we used to back in the day before the show came to a short pause. Um, so that way we'll kind of get back in the swing of things. And then we'll pick up Vigilantes, I guess, whenever season five ends. Yeah, and I like this uh, this refined approach to how we're going to do the MST, MST3K episode, because if if you're somebody who listens to this podcast without sitting at your computer, you do it while you drive, you do it while you're running or working out, then that episode is not going to appeal to you. You're free to skip that and not miss much. I mean, you, you'll miss a different format, but the same information that we would normally do in our regular format, we will present on episodes one and two in episode 75 of the AMP. So, uh, you can feel feel free to give that one a pass. If it just doesn't uh, appeal to you, doesn't fit within your schedule, then tune into 75. You won't miss a beat. But before we go, Adam, I want to ask you a question. And this is a question I'm going to seed in the Discord, and maybe we'll talk about any good discussion that comes from this in episode 75. But we just finished chapter 85 of Vigilantes. And I want to ask you this question. Who would win in a fight? Koichi from Vigilantes Chapter 85 or Deku from My Hero Academia Chapter 85. Now, to give you a little bit of context, Chapter 85 of My Hero Academia is shortly after, it's like the resolution of the uh, the summer camp arc. So that's after the fight with Muscular. Uh, and you obviously have a little bit more familiarity with where Koichi's at capability-wise uh, at the conclusion of his Chapter 85 as we just talked about it. So what do you think? What What's your initial impressions? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, man, that's easy. I think I'm gonna have to go Deku a thousand percent. Like, I love Koichi. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot about Koichi that I really like. I think I think he's a, a really fun hero, but I think Deku's got the training. I think he's got way more training, first of all. But second of all, I think he also just has more like battle prowess, if that makes sense. 
there's something about Deku that he just learns on the spot as he needs it. He always has this running task list of things he's watching out for that I kind of feel like Koichi doesn't have. Koichi's always kind of had his teammates around him kind of watching certain things for him. And then when he didn't, it didn't seem like he really stepped up until he had to, which was with Pop. And now he's gotten all this training, but it's all fairly new to him. I, I don't know. I, I feel like Deku would take him out. I mean, Muscular would absolutely wreck Koichi. And I feel like yeah. Deku was able to take out Muscular. So I don't feel like that's even a fight in my mind. But I'd be interested. Prove me wrong. I think that it would be an interesting fight. But the way, I mean, because I was thinking, okay, so Koichi is older. I think by by this point in Koichi's life, he has a lot more application with his a wider range of applications with his quirk than Deku did, uh, did at by the time of chapter 85 because he could do full cowling at 5%, but he hadn't learned shoot style. He hadn't learned air force yet. So he's basically just a uh, get close and punch or use the, you know, the finger flicks like he did at the, uh, the sports tournament. Yeah. And I think that you also have to kind of take in to one more thing, like one more consideration and that's can or not can, does Koichi win by escaping? Because if he just gets away and that's considered winning and it's not just a straight up fight, like it's, you know, whoever gets knocked out first loses, then I think Koichi might be able to win because he would probably just run away and Deku wouldn't chase after him. Deku would be smarter than that and nah, not that's no do fun. that more than likely. I mean, but that's like, no fun, you put, right? You put the two right. of them in a space and for some, just for plot's sake, they have, they have to fight. Like throw him in the octagon, no, you know, no rules. It's just you guys have got to fight. Someone's going down. Yeah, Deku wins every time. I just, I don't think Koichi. I don't see a world where Koichi beats Deku in in that situation. Well, I'd be curious to see if anybody in the Discord thinks otherwise. I would be interested to hear arguments for Koichi having a greater chance than you or I afford him. Even though Soga thinks that that, that he's muscle, <laughs> that he's the muscle of that group, he is relative to everybody else in that group. Um, and and I do think, like you were alluding to, that there are certain situations that Koichi might actually be better at in uh, than Deku. But I think if you put the pit the two of them against one another, I think Deku does come out on top. Yeah, for sure. But I like that. That's a fun one. I might have to come up with like a random on the spot, you know, this no, person versus thing. this person. Do oh, that's your thing? Okay. All yeah. right. I'm not allowed to. All you right, have to well. run those by me first. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that'll wrap us up for this week's episode, but it's been a blast. I'm looking it's forward fun. to our uh, our new episode for the the first season. That's going to be fun. Yeah, that format I think is going to be really interesting. I think what you and I decided, and we'll we'll throw this on here and then leave it at that. We're going to watch it with commercials, and not assume that everybody's watching it without commercials. And we'll tell you, hey, you know, our our feed is going to commercial, and then we'll take that time that the commercial is playing to go into maybe a little bit more depth of something that we might wanted to have, to have spent some more time on while the show was playing, but couldn't for the sake of the show was still playing. So we'll, we'll figure that thing out. Um, give it a shot. We'll welcome some feedback on that. Uh, but like I said, like it or not, listen to it or not. Episode 75 is just going to be classic AMP two episode format where we bring it to you like we always have. Absolutely. And with that, we'll see you guys in a couple of days. See you guys. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. 
If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O. 